Welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans or fans of your Milwaukee Brewers. All right, Brewer fans, welcome to Brew Crew Review Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, myself, Craig, is joined by Vince. Vince, how's, how's it going today? I'm doing great, Craig. Do we have uh, Scotty and Chad with us as well, I assume? Uh, not here today. Um, Chad, uh, I'm not sure what he's doing. Uh, somewhere po- possibly. And he usually, it's about his birthday time of the year. I think he usually goes out to, on a Vegas bender for like 10 days or so. Uh, so he's probably unconscious somewhere laying on a poolside. Um, Scott, on the other hand, also who just happens to live near Vegas in Henderson, Nevada, well, is nowhere near the strip or wherever Chad is, um, because that's not his deal. However, he has, I guess the reason he hasn't been coming on podcasts lately, and uh, hopefully we'll have him back in the fall soon, but he's been kind of jostling back and forth from, he's calling it a darkness retreat. Um, and then he explained the other retreat he goes on. He didn't have a name for it, but I'm calling it the fluffiness retreat. So he's kind of been just jostling back and forth each of the time we have a podcast. He's either in a darkness retreat or a fluffiness retreat. And so he's huh. got a lot of stuff to work through in his life, apparently. So once he's done with that, he'll be back on the podcast. So, uh, but in the meantime, it's you and me, Vince, bringing great commentary about the Milwaukee Brewers to our listeners. So thanks for joining Sounds me. great. That's yeah, good. Good, good update. Good update. That, that's good. I think his interns will probably be relieved. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, and I think he actually assigned his interns to to hang around with Chad uh, this week while he's while he's out there in Vegas. So he he wouldn't go anywhere near the strip or whatever. But uh, apparently, he assigned his his interns to hang out with his old buddy Chad. So that's pretty cool. Um, that is good. So we thank his interns for doing that. Um, hopefully, they can retain their employment this week. Um, all right, so getting into the Milwaukee Brewers. Well, here we go. It's, oh, was it nine days before or eight days before the trade deadline? So we'll have some trade deadline talk coming up. But in the meantime, yep. um, the Milwaukee Brewers are in first place as of this taping. Uh, come up with a huge uh, three-game homestand here in the last three games we play against the Reds this year, starting this evening. Um, hoping to attend the game potentially tonight or tomorrow. So I'm pretty pumped up about that. Uh, my children are less so, but they'll understand one day. Um, and so... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, pretty big series coming up. Um, also, I want to just back it up a little bit. This past weekend against Lyon Braves, unfortunately, we lost the series at home, but we did win the game on Saturday. And Sal Freelich made his major league debut in quite stunning fashion um, as we won the game. Um, what was what your take on the Sal Freelich call, call up, Vince? Oh, man, Craig, that was an exciting game. We watched on edge every pitch. He was great. Um, a lot of energy it seemed like in the ballpark i've heard a couple other people say this so it's not an original statement and i was not there obviously but um people were comparing it to that game in 2005 uh when prince killer and ricky weeks both hit their uh first home runs against the minnesota twins i think you were at that game with me um we were a few of us were there but uh, a lot of people were comparing the excitement level on saturday night to that i think that um you know fans in milwaukee have I think since the early 2000s gotten really good and very attuned to paying attention to Brewers prospects, um, which coincides with a big theme on our show for many years, going back to 2004. And I think it's pretty cool that you had so many fans who were engaged enough to know that Sal Freelake is a big deal and that he is uh, the Brewers number two prospect and one of the top, you know, 40 prospects in all baseball. And uh, the fact that they were attuned to that and were, were excited to see him play, I think speaks, speaks very well of Milwaukee fans. Um, 
but his uh, his debut itself was obviously awesome to go three for three with a sack fly game winning RBI in your fourth plate appearance, uh, make two outstanding defensive catches to do all that in your first game. It's um, it's, it, it goes without being said that that's got to be a, a highlight of a lifetime. I, I can't even imagine how awesome that would be. Yeah. No, I mean, something about Sal, I'll just say that uh, obviously the Brewers have broken a couple of offensive rookies here in the last year or so with obviously Bryce Train make his major league debut, Joey Weimer, Garrett Mitchell, not that long preceding those two. Uh, and these guys will probably be staples in our lineups for years to come. Um, but there's just something different about Sal Freelick that I, I, I don't know. I can't really put my finger on it. Now, he doesn't necessarily have a higher ceiling than the, these other uh, guys I'm talking about, but something about him just, I get the feeling that he's going to be a franchise icon uh, type of player, and I could be wrong, and hopefully I'm not. But there's just something about um, his style of play that I think is going to make him a fan favorite. Um, and at one point, the, the Brewers had the – I don't want to overhype this too much or put too much pressure on Sal, but um, at one point, of course, for many, many decades, they had the igniter, Paul Molitor, at the top of their lineup. Um, Sal Freelick, I think I'm going to officially dub the spark plug as the top of our, our lineup and, and, and he's, he hasn't, he hasn't been And actually, I can't take full credit for that. In fact, he described himself when someone asked him, I think in an interview to describe himself and his style of play, he said that he's a spark plug with a dirty Jersey. So, um, yeah. I like it. Yep. So, but anyway, um, yeah, so there's, and he's, I mean, he's looked good at all levels of the minor leagues, Craig, you know, as, as you know, and we've talked about on the show previously, he's looked good at every level that he's been at. He had some injury problems earlier this year with a, the torn thumb ligament, obviously it limited his production a bit in AAA, but um, he's looked good all the way around. He looked good in the World Baseball Classic for Team Italy. I think that he is, uh, he, he certainly is a guy that, you know, you can you can just tell the dugout views him as a leader already. I, I'm not saying it in his capacity in his, you know, third game coming up here, but I'm just saying that his personality is such that I think the people automatically look to him um, as an example, and they, they tend to follow what he does, and that type of energy can't be really replicated easily. So it's 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 great that you've got those types of uh, intangible qualities outside of power, um, which you know could still even be developing. It's not like he doesn't have any power. It seems like he's got the boxes checked on just about every other facet of the game. So I'll, I'll be very excited to see his development and glad that he's in Milwaukee with uh, kind of a core group of guys like we experienced back in you know 2005. Yeah, and um, as we saw with the Reds here this season, who who uh, I've been bringing up a, a nice core of young offensive players themselves. Um, Ellie De La Cruz, again, not to put too much pressure on Sal, but the infectious play and enthusiasm and youth and uh, that he's brought to the Reds obviously has propelled them to their standing here as we come in the series against the Brewers. And I think Sal Freelick has the opportunity to, to have a similar impact. Now, again, I, I feel like Ellie De La Cruz will eventually be one of the best players in baseball. I'm not putting that much pressure on Sal, but I really think Freelick can become one of the best leadoff hitters probably for like the next 10 years in the MLB. And again, this is really throwing it out there. I mean, we, we don't know what he's really, but just looking at his track record, he's a first round pick. He's hit well above 300 in most levels of the, or all levels of the minor leagues. And I really just feel like he has this uh, way of getting on base uh, via hit walk uh, and making, making basically creating havoc on the base pass like De La Cruz and also just defensively um, giving his all. I think he's going to become a fan favorite really quickly here for the Milwaukee Brewers. So that's kind of exciting. And I hope that his infectiousness and and his uh, this 
it really helps the Brewers here as we we enter a big stretch drive for the playoff run this year. So I'm really excited for him and his debut, yeah. obviously. So um, it's been a long time coming. He would probably would have been promoted earlier, right after the Garrett Mitchell injury. But believe it or not, he got injured the same day Mitchell did at the major league level. He got he got uh, injured the same night in the minor leagues, and he was out quite quite a bit of time. And so now he's finally arrived, and uh, none too soon here for the Milwaukee Brewers and their fans. Yeah, one other thing that, that kind of stood out uh, to me with Freelich, just you know, he had the he had the knowledge to to be very complimentary to Milwaukee, which I thought was really neat. He was, you know, he's not from here. He's a guy that is from from the East Coast. He's from Massachusetts, and um, you know, he kept going on and on about how much he's enjoyed Milwaukee in his brief couple of days here, how much he's looking forward to visiting with restaurants. I, so that that speaks to your point of him as a fan favorite. I, I really do see that happening. I think that you know, you've got a guy that is good at what he does on the field is he plays hard. He's infectious in terms of his personality and he's, and he's got a, a real, you know, a seemingly a, a good PR person, at least, or maybe it's just a genuine personality that continually tells good things about the city that he's playing. And he just seems kind of like the, the all around winning package for, for a guy like that. So no, I'm, I'm really pumped. Well, no, there's this, there, he's got a throwback baseball player mentality to him that I really like. So like, uh, I'm looking forward to him uh, and, and nothing against these other guys that we brought up like Bryce Trang's a quality prospect. So is Weimer. So is, uh, so is uh, Garrett Mitch and all that, but there's just, there's something different about this guy. And I guess we'll see as we move forward. So happy to have him in the lineup. And like I said, none too soon for this offense that again, looking at the numbers throughout the years, anytime this offense scores just four runs or more, we're just an incredible team. And we've struggled to do that because of just outside of, Yelch's kind of bounce back year, so to speak. Um, everyone else in the lineup is really underachieving almost uh, for the most part, up and down the entire lineup. So that's kind of uh, disconcerting. Um, and so I think that can be addressed at the trade deadline this year. So before we delve into some possible targets for our trade deadline uh, acquisition wish list, so to speak, um, here we are one year later. Uh, this was about a week out. Then the, the, the hater deal went down last year, which which drew, I would say, shockwaves rippling throughout Brewer um, fandom, so to speak. Um, this year, we're almost in the same boat. The only difference is uh, we're in, we're in first place again a week before the trade deadline. Last year, the St. Louis Cardinals were right right on our heels. This year, it's the Cincinnati Reds. Besides those two things, what is different this year, in your opinion, than than last year, with as far as just the Milwaukee Brewers and their outlook on postseason play? Well, we haven't traded our All Star closer yet, so that's good. Yeah, um, no, I, that's, I can't that's imagine biggest, what would happen if Devin Williams gets traded in the next week. I don't, I don't, think, <laughs> I don't think that would go over too well. I mean, I, you know, to answer your question on the field, I, I do think this team is a little bit more talented than last year's team. Um, probably because of the the influx of younger talent. Um, I think that understated, one of the understated aspects of, of that is Bryce Terang's defense. I've been really, really happy with his defensive play. I know his offensive numbers have not been the best this year, but I think that he has really solidified things um, defensively up the middle. I really like that. I think that um, just some of the energy with the younger guys in the clubhouse, I think that our starting pitching has held pretty firm despite Brandon Woodruff being injured for most of the year. Um, the timing of him coming back from injury, hopefully, now that he's starting to make some rehab appearances for uh, the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers this past week, which is another news item I'm sure we're going to discuss a little bit more. Um, I, I think that that could give us cause for some optimism. So, I, you know, I don't I think that the organization hopefully learned last year that 
if nothing else, the fan backlash by, of trading a guy like Josh Hader um, in a pennant race is not good. And I, you know, you can argue about the talent level that we receive back in both the trade and the follow-up trades, you know, talking about getting a guy like Contreras because of Ruiz, who we acquired because of Hader. I, I know that there's been some reanalysis of the trade just recently in the past week from some of our colleagues in the media, like Ken Rosenthal. But um, I still think that when you're talking about an organization, especially one like the Brewers, who, you know, has eight playoff appearances in 54 seasons, that you just go for it every time that you have the opportunity to go for it. So, um I would be shocked and, and disappointed yet again if the Brewers were to be sellers at the deadline while sitting in first place. Um, I mean, even even if we were to have a, a terrible week against, you know, the Reds and Atlanta on the road, I, I still can't imagine us being in the position to sell uh, in the next week. No. I mean, outside of us literally losing every game between now and trade deadline, I just I, – there's no way we're going to change course. I don't know – what course we're on, but we're we're winning the division, and this is the same as was true last year. And yeah, but that's what, uh, but we were sellers last year somehow, you know. And that's that's why I'm like I'm very hesitant to give the organization the benefit of the doubt at the deadline until they prove me wrong. And I, I hate to be a naysayer. I'm not um, generally a negative person, as you know. It's just it's it's very 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 frustrating to see this team's deadline approach year after year continuously come up short. And I think that it stems from several factors. One is I, I think that there was an element of David Stern's David Stern's approach. And again, he's a great GM, but I think there was a, a an element of him that almost tried to be kind of too cute, if that makes sense with, you know, trying to do too much um, in certain ways. And I, I think that sometimes you just have to simplify it to the point where we can, we know that we're a good team. We have to get better at certain aspects to continue to be a great team and or to be a great team. And I think that in this case, it's obviously the offense. So if we're not out there looking for bats, um, I'd be very disappointed. And I, I'll be very disappointed if Mark Adonacio is not willing to to add some salary for the second half. And um, quite frankly, I, I say the same thing going into next year too, with the crop of guys that we have who are not yet free agents. So we still have a, a, a very good team in tech going into next year. So I'd be looking at guys who are either rentals for the second half or guys who are under control for this year and next year. The, the reason I feel this year is very important for Brewer fans and for this current team is I, obviously the elephant in the room is the fact that not this offseason, but after the 2024 offseason, we, we will next year is the last year that we have control over a huge core of our team. And that's Corbin Burns, who's a free agent after next season, Brandon Wolf, Brandon Woodruff, I'm sorry, the same, um, Willie Adamas, the same. Um, so out of those three guys, those, th those are really important guys that we're going to make a run deep in the postseason to have on our team. Um, and beyond next year, or that, that might not be possible. So because of that, I think we need to push all our cards to the middle of the table and make a huge run for it this postseason. That doesn't work out. I think yep. the Brewers then have to sit back and identify which one of these guys we can afford to keep or are, are willing to stay for whatever money we're willing to pay them. And then possibly look to deal two of the other three, unfortunately. I mean, well, I, I don't even think that we need to do that, Craig. I, I mean, I disagree with that a, a little bit because I think that we can afford – I think that we go for it next year too. I think that you keep this core together with Woodruff and Burns as two of the top pitchers in baseball when healthy, and you make a run for it again. Like, what are we waiting for? We've got these guys for another season after this year too. I, I would definitely be buyers uh, this deadline with guys, like I said, that are going to be under control for both this year and hopefully next year too. If not, you know, rentals are fine. But I would, I would certainly be – 
I would certainly be looking to add next year and making next year be an all-in year the entire season. I mean, I, I, I don't know when you're going to do it if you're not going to do it when you've got this type of rotation. I just don't. I, and the trade-away guys right now for prospects or whoever else uh, amongst that core group, I, I think that you can trade them at the deadline next year if we're not in it for some reason. But, you know, with the Cardinals being weaker and the Cubs not being there yet and the, you know, the Pirates still not being there yet and, and the division being what it is, Yes, the Reds are talented, but I do think that they're beatable, and they're still very young. I, I think that this is our window this year and next year, especially are our window. And then, and then you do what you kind of rebuild with, you know, good drafts and whatever you have to do, and signing, you know, maybe one of the two guys at least going into 2025. But this year, I'm worried about 2023, and I, I'd go for it. Yeah, no, those are fair points. Like I said, we don't have to, but just the normal operation of a small market team. It, like a, a market, a team like ours, it's hard for me to see us not, you know, letting all three of those guys hit free agency without getting any compensation for them. But you know, like you said, it could be, it's an option that could be on the table if we go that route. I just don't see it happening. Um, but it, obviously if we're in first place this year with those guys still on the roster, I would be all, like you're saying, I'd be all for it uh, for the most part. I mean, at some point you got, you got, you got to go for it. We want to win a world series in this town. That's for sure. So uh, with that being yeah. said, Thinking of the names out there to possibly, um, the Brewers, obviously, the advantage that they have is they already have a really solid rotation and bullpen with some depth. Um, you could probably add a bullpen arm, but for the most part, everyone knows that we're looking for bats. Obviously, at least one, possibly two or three um, to add to this team to really make make it, to improve it. Um, now, you look at the other contending teams, almost all of them are going to, be looking for mostly pitching upgrades um and so the brewers are at advantage where they're the ones that are most li likely you know are gonna have their pick of the litter with the offensive guys that are out there available for trade so i guess before i rattle off a list of potential targets to the brewers bats is there anyone out there that you've ha had your eye on as far as a, as a potential target or someone you'd like for the brewers to go for or to acquire you know, um, I don't know that I'm going to mention any specific names yet. I probably should. Um, but I I think that this the, these next couple games actually are going to make or break a lot of teams that could be sellers or could be buyers even. Um, you've got very few teams that are truly, truly out of it. So I think a lot of things are still yet to be determined this week. Um, you know, we know that teams like the Royals are going to be sellers, but we're not sure about teams, you know, maybe like the White Sox. I think that they're going to be sellers, but maybe like the Mets. I, I don't know. I think that there's going to be teams that um, are going to have to make some very tough decisions this week, um, whether or not they are going to kind of stick in it for this year or if they're going to retool. So that's going to really deepen that list of names, I think, after after play this week or after, after play the next couple, couple of games. Okay, yeah. So – I agree with that point that there might be some more teams add to the mix as far as people turning from buyers to sellers and potentially the other way. But um, I think there are a certain number of teams that are definitely identified as the teams looking to sell. Um, you know, you've got the Nationals yeah. for sure. You've got the White Sox. Most likely their season is done. Um, obviously, the A's, Royals, Tigers. Um, well, actually, even the Tigers, uh, I think, are only like six games out of first, and that were probably weak. They're seven games back right now. I think that the White Sox are 12. The Tigers are, are seven. Scotty's interns are hitting me something. Yeah, the White Sox are 12 games back. Uh, Detroit is seven games back. Kansas City yeah. is 25 games back in the AL Central. So, yeah, the o Oakland's obviously a seller. I think that 
I think that Seattle could be interesting just because, and that's one of the teams I was kind of referring to with a make or break week. And one of the reasons is their record. They're only a game um, over 500, but they're also in fourth place, you know, in that division with two very good teams ahead of them, at least. Um, what I also know though about the Mariners is that they're always very active. So I, I'm, I'm kind of looking at the Mariners as being a sleeper team to be a seller um, or at least do some creative things at the deadline, um, given those two factors. Well, I'm sure Mr. DePoto will definitely be pulling off some trades. He won't be sitting idly on his hands, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah. so, so, yeah. And, and okay, so I'll throw out the first target from the Mariners uh, that's on my list, and that'd be first right handed hitting, first baseman, third baseman, Ty France. Obviously, the yep. Brewers yep. have holes um, at, at the corners, as it's pretty well documented. I was, obviously, Rowdy Telez, I should say, is coming back left handed hitting. Uh, hopefully from injury very soon. The problem with he's really struggled this year and probably should only go back to being a platoon bat against right-handers only. So that what really leaves us a need, and we've been struggling against left-handed pitching all year, uh, especially. Yeah. Um, so really adding a right-handed bat makes perfect sense to me. So really Ty France being a right-handed hitter, um, really quality hit tool on him, not that much power, but I really like him. Um, he would be someone I'd be interested in acquiring. Um, but again, I don't know that they'll be willing to sell them and what the price would be. So throwing out a couple other names, just going with right-handed hitting first baseman uh, slash third base on my list. You've got Patrick Wisdom on the Cubs. I'm not interested in him. Jake Berger on the White Sox. He still has a number of years of team control. He's kind of had a mini breakout year. He might not even be available. Um, mm -hmm. one guy I am really interested in, and uh, oh, well, okay, so CJ Crone on the Rockies, first baseman. Um, he seems like a really quality name and bat, but I'm not a fan of his. I do really like Joy Manassas of the Nationals, who plays for, uh, right hand heading first baseman, he plays the outfield as well. But, um, he'd be someone I'd be interested yeah, He'd be someone I'd be interested in. And then also the, the one guy I really love that is definitely on the trade block because he's blocked at the major league level, has had his struggles with strikeouts, but has immense power, in my opinion. That's Bobby Dahlbeck from the Red Sox. He play, He's right-handed hitting. He plays first and third. I just yep. feel like we match up pretty well with them. They're really looking for pitching. I feel like we could possibly land him for someone like Hauser or possibly even a healthy Lauer if he can show himself healthy between now and then. I don't know. Um but or possibly some prospects. I don't. Uh, I don't know. So um, he he might even be like a straight up swap change of scenery option to trade Keston Hira maybe for him. I don't know if it's probably going to cost more than that to get him. But that's the name I like. Uh, a couple other, so a couple of switch hitters on corner infielders are also likely potential targets. Are Carlos Santana, switch hitter, first baseman for the Pirates. A veteran there who knows how to get on base, but again, his his skills are declining. A younger guy that I think uh, Tom Carter, oh, well, I mean TC, wanted us to say that he's yeah, our number one potential target, and that's Jimer Candelario, third base, right hand hitting third base, or no, switch hitting the third baseman for the Na Nationals. He's on the final year of his deal, and obviously they're looking to sell. We've seen the matchup perfectly for him, but I'm not huge on him as far as, I mean, he'd be a nice acquisition, but whatever it would cost, I'm not sure that he's a difference-making type player. Um, 
Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. What, do you have any thoughts on those names? I throw out there any other ones that like peak. Um, I'm not as down on CJ Crone as you are. I know that you haven't liked him for a while. I, the Brewers have been linked to him potentially as a free agent a couple of years ago. I remember having that conversation with you then. Um, he's gotten a little bit hotter as of late. He seems, unfortunately, I, I think, like somebody that the Brewers will try to target. Um, I don't hate him. I don't love him. He's just sort of a guy. Um, he sort of reminds me of Darren Ruff, to be honest, uh, in certain aspects of his game. But, but um, you know, at this approach, I I think that the Brewers, at least being aggressive enough to go after somebody, could be of interest. Uh, there's been some talk of Mike Moustakis uh, from the Angels. I don't really know what he brings that we currently don't have. But, um, you know, he's hit a little bit better with the Angels, I guess, he did with the Rockies earlier in the year. Um, I, you know, again, I think that there's going to be a lot that kind of emerges in the next, you know, couple couple days. Um, Last year, the acquisition, Ed, Eduardo Escobar is probably available. And yeah. the year before that, Andrew McCutcheon, he's probably available too. <laughs> Not sure. If we yeah, that's him. true. Well, McCutcheon was a free agent going into the year. But yeah, he he uh, Escobar was 2021's deadline acquisition. He's already been traded once. Uh, this season from the Mets to the Angels, but yeah, yeah. he probably he probably is available um, at this point. Oddly enough, the Angels have both Moustakis and Escobar <laughs> as their as their deadline acquisitions so far within the last you know month here. So uh, they started early. I, I guess to to probably bring themselves up to the deadline to see if they are going to be contenders uh, or not. Um, I it's hard for me to think that the Angels. I know that they're trying to take advantage of their Otani window, but it's hard for me to think that the Angels are going to play well enough uh, in the second half here to overtake Houston or the Rangers. I just well, I just Trout's injury too. I, I think Trout might be out. Yeah, exactly. I really feel he's probably out for the year with his injury. So I mean, that's got to factor into it. But I'm going to go on record as I'm going to go. I'm going to say that Otani does not get traded. As as ridiculous as that sounds, yeah. and as stupid as it probably is for Angels, I just feel like. What it would actually take to land them is going to be cost prohibitive, prohibitive for any team that's really willing to go for it this year that's in position. Yeah. Like usually a team like the Yankees, if they're in first, would probably be like, oh, yeah, let's just do it. I'll give them whoever. But I, I just don't feel like there's a team at the forefront that's going to yeah. be willing to pay up to get him in a short term, uh, you know, for a stretch run, including, unfortunately, your Milwaukee Brewers. But, um, yeah, but yeah, that'd be the that, dream, right? But I do think there'll be some some pretty big names moved at the at the deadline. But I think a lot of them are going to be probably pitchers. You know, you're looking at like Lucas Giolito almost for sure will get moved. Um, Marcus Stroman almost for sure since he's a pending free agent, and guys like Lance Lynn and and uh, yeah. So I think there's going to be uh, some pitchers moved around. And and unfortunately, some of the teams competing with us, like the Reds, are probably going to acquire a, a, a name or two as far as the rotation goes. And so that's scary. So, I mean, we really need to, we, I think we really need to do our part in bringing a big bat here in, in some fashion. And maybe it's someone that's yeah. completely off the radar. That's usually how they operate the Brewers, uh, where like we just didn't see it coming. And one name I'll throw out there uh, as a potential fit, believe it or not, from the Cardinals, guy who's a young guy who doesn't really have a spot, but I think he has a bright future, and that's Nolan Gorman. Um, he actually mm. came up as a third baseman, and for, he hits left-handed, but... Um, as a third, he plays third and second base, and uh, I, I think he could be a, a strong third baseman in the future for us, but we'll see. And then, of course, there's even some right-handed heading veteran bats that are just sitting out there on the waiver wire, so to speak, as free agents, and that's still Nelson Cruz and Will Myers. Um, but obviously, if we had interest in those, we would have already done something. Uh, now, oh, yeah, some- and we've talked about those two names several times on this show over the past couple of years, and it's just 
pretty clear at this point the Brewers have zero interest. I mean, we could have had them for nothing at the trade deadline last year. We could have had them as free agents. We could have done a lot um, to, at this point to bring them in, but I, I just don't think we're we're that interested. Yeah. And again, it seems like we don't need outfielders, but this is another thing where the, the Brewers will probably like draft an, or I mean, trade for an outfielder and then like switch someone back to the, to the corner. Uh, like potentially even Yelich. I mean, Yelich could be moved to first base if we want to add an outfielder or something. Yep. I don't know that we should do that in season, but uh, especially with how well he's hitting, but you know, that's an option. So we'll see what happens. Whatever it is, it'll be probably a surprise and it probably won't be anyone we named here. So. Uh, Correct. Yeah. Um, do you think that you could see Joey Weimer as a first baseman in the future, given his height? I know he's a good defensive outfielder, so I, I wouldn't necessarily do that. But I, I'm kind of curious. I had a yeah. conversation with somebody. I think that's really about that. he could very well end up in about 10 years, uh, assuming his career goes that long. But I just don't think with how athletic he is and um, what he offers in the outfield for defense, I just don't see why a team would do that. That seems kind of foolish just to fit a team. But you never know. Um, only, only to move his bat, you know, or to keep his bat in the lineup yeah, will be, you know, if you can add an outfielder, for instance, that can hit, you know, you, you don't want to limit yourself if that guy can only play outfield. I just wonder, I think that Weimer is probably athletic enough to do it. Um, any profiles as being a guy, I think as his back continues to mature, that, that profiles as a first base type. So it could be interesting. It does beg the question, though, like at some point real soon here, the Brewers are going to have an outfield log jam. Obviously, Jackson Trio is probably ready like within the next year to be a starting outfielder. Yeah. And then you've got Mitchell coming back from injury next year. You've got Joy Weimer. You've got Sal Freelich, who I'm sure will solidify himself as a starter this year. And then you've got Christian Yelich under contract for a long time still. So that's five names for three spots. Uh, what Maybe one of the guys we might have to identify as a young guy that we could actually move to get another – you know, there could be like a prospect for prospect trade. Like we trade one of our outfield prospects for a corner infield prospect or something like that. Um, that that's <laughs> yeah, I did, I, I did notice that Weimer, Weimer hasn't played the last two games. I wonder if he's being sad just in case he's, he's on the move. But um, hmm. I would be shocked if the Brewers did operate like that. But I did notice that he hasn't played in two games, not even as a pinch hitter. So that is kind of interesting. And um, our anonymous source, uh, Tom Carter, and some of our colleagues uh, – like Adam McKelvey, we're talking to Craig Council about this yesterday, and he said it was, quote, a baseball-related decision, as in it was not an uh, injury. It was nothing like that. It wasn't a personal thing. He didn't ask for a day off. So it said he just said it was a baseball move. But um, interesting, right? That is interesting, definitely. So we'll see. I mean, so so who knows? I think whatever move is going to happen, and hopefully multiple moves, I think it'll be a surprise. Obviously, we could speculate on bullpen arms. There's so many out there that – and, you know, there's plenty of John Curtis's of the world or guys that were just not on our radar thinking. <laughs> obviously, Daniel Norris, I think the, the ghost of trade deadlines past in our bullpens have always been great. <laughs> it's just last year adding Rosenthal and Bush that didn't work out too well, but uh, they, they no. somehow were convinced that those two guys would cover for Hader <laughs> along with um, Taylor, Taylor Rogers. Rogers Taylor Rogers. Yeah. yeah. What can you do? Oh, I was actually just handed a note by one of Scott's interns, Jade, here, who I thought was poolside with Chad, but apparently not. Um, she, apparently, this just breaking news since our podcast started. Um, the Brewers have outright released Jason Alexander and also <laughs> Ramiel Tapia, who they uh, has elected free agency. I, I guess they designated for him assignment yesterday. He's now elected free agency. So, unfortunately, those two guys are no longer going to be Brewers. So, I, I'm seeing it. I think I think Alexander is 
in Triple A. I think he got outrighted fully to to Triple A. He had been down there on a rehab assignment, and I think oh, that, that okay. was just not bringing him back onto the forty man roster where he did start the year. He was injured, so they could keep him on the the forty man because of his his status on the sixty day DL. So I I think this is kind of a procedural move. Um, I got the same note here, but. I think you're right. I think you're right. Okay, yeah. So he's he's still has options available. I wasn't aware. He's of that. still at Nashville with the Nashville Sound. Tapia will be a free agent. Tapia was uh, obviously only a Brewer for a limited amount of time. Looking over the notes here, he had a grand total played a grand total of 20 games at the Brewers, 61 plate appearances, hit 173 with a 267 OBP. So Tapia's Brewer career was not a uh, not not a great one. He did have a couple of big moments. He had two home runs. I think that. Um, one of his home runs was in Philadelphia and kind of a crucial moment. So yeah, he, you know, it was, he was a fill-in guy to begin with. I never really expected uh, Tapia to, to be a long-term solution here with the Brewers in the outfield. So uh, best of luck to him uh, wherever he goes. Yeah. And we're hoping to maybe have at least one more podcast before the trade deadline to maybe give you some updates on what other teams are doing. I know the Braves already just traded for a couple of bullpen arms today. So everyone's still trying to improve. Um, what I just want to throw out there as a last subject for this podcast to you, Vince, is um, what are the what if you're the Milwaukee Brewers front office, what do you do with the two players that we we acquired in the um, Grisham, um, Zach Davies trade, and that's uh, Louis Urias, who has been <laughs> sent down to AAA and not hitting well, and Eric Lauer, also part of that deal, who's been really useful for yeah. us at the major league level, but is also now coming back from injury. And he's a free agent at the end of next year as well. So if unfortunately, if he was fully healthy, he'd be a, a candidate to possibly move. Uh, and then also Keston Hira, that 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 he's been heading well at AAA, but really yeah. there's, no, there's no place for him, in my opinion, on our roster moving forward just because he can't play a position. So he seems right. I guess my 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 ask to you, I guess, is what is your opinion if one of those guys were just asked to be included in a trade to facilitate a trade? Um, not saying that these are all yeah. change of scenery candidates, but like what value do these guys even have? And also I hate selling low on guys either when they're injured or their value is down when it comes to trading. But really, in my opinion, I, I'm not, what, what are your take on, on if any of those three guys you'd prefer to not trade, I guess? Well, you know, first things first, um, talking about where they're most valuable. I think that Urias, I've said this many, many, many times, Urias uh, to me has always been, valuable but valuable as a platoon player i've never once viewed him as a starting third baseman i don't view him as a starting second baseman i view him as a utility player option and that's not to comment on his talent level as much as to say you know i think that he's valuable because he plays multiple positions so i would keep urias probably out of that group um but boy is he struggling right now and i I don't know what it is it's going to what what it's going to take. I mean, the guy, I think he's hitting 230-something in AAA. Um, and we can have Scotty's interns check on that. But he really has not merited a call back to the major leagues by any stretch of the imagination at this point. And you can see that, you know, the Brewers agree because we're keeping guys like Andrew Monasterio up at the big leagues in, and calling up guys like Jemai Jones instead of Luis Urias. So, um yeah. So anyway, to answer your question, I'd probably rephrase it looking at some of these numbers. I think Hira is probably the guy that we want to see up next. I've always liked Hira. I think that, you know, that bat has always played well. He's got, you know, a tendency to strike out. Um, but I would, I would, out of those three, Hira would actually be my answer. Um, Urias, 
in a platoon role could be valuable still. I would not have him as a starter ever um, uh, in terms of one position. Um, Eric Lauer, and I, I'm sure that you're tracking on this, but he has not only been sent to the Nashville Sounds, but he has walked away from that team. Um, and it's a bit of a mystery as to what is going on. Um, oh, okay. So Eric Lauer has not thrown a pitch in over a month, I believe it is, five weeks in AAA and um, has been put on a special designation. He's not on the disabled list, but he is uh, listed as something like restricted, unable to pitch, and, but it's not a suspension. He's just a, it's a temporary inactive list, I think is the exact terminology. Wow. So, well, whatever's going on there, I'm sure you can scratch him off the trade list then because, um, yeah. yeah, he's not going anywhere, man. He hasn't even reported to Nashville yet, apparently. So, or he did, and then he walked away from the team. So he is, um, he is, I'm sure that the Brewers know where he is, but it's a, it's a situation that is not leading him to be on the disabled list. So it, it apparently is not medical. Um, so something is going on, but I don't know what, so we're, we'll have to ask our anonymous source, Tom Carter about that, and hopefully have an answer for you by our next podcast. But yeah, that's something. Yeah, that just, just go with the anonymous source. You don't have to. Just don't yeah. say his name. Yeah. Okay, but next time we can have a segment by him about the Lauer situation and maybe get some answers. Um, this happened somewhat similarly with Ray Black a few years ago. He he was on a restricted list, still is technically, but Ray is out of the organization now and doing his own thing, but he's still listed on the roster. So there's some weird stuff going on. I don't I don't really know what it is, but. Um, we'll hopefully have an answer for you by our next show. But, yeah, Eric Lauer is not even reported uh, to be with the AAA Nashville Sounds at this point. So just to be clear, uh, the other two guys, the guy you'd most like to keep is Hira or? or, or yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was not, I was not clear before. Yeah, Keston Hira would be the guy that I'd keep. Luis Urias, my argument is, is that he would still have value, but only as a, as a utility guy, you know, somebody playing multiple positions. So I, I don't. I don't dislike him to say, oh, he couldn't come back and do something in Milwaukee. I just think that he's at the point where we can definitely not rely on him as a starting third baseman. You know, maybe he would be a good candidate for my Bobby Dalback wish list because, uh, as you know, the yeah, the, um, Red Sox are are have too many corner infielders and they are kind of devoid and have been trying out and cycling through middle infielders like we've been doing corner mm-hmm. infielders. So that seems like maybe a good match. Maybe Louis Arias straight up for Bobby Arias Dalback, and- but. Again, yeah, change they, the scenery for Louise. Yeah, for sure. I'm not in charge of the Brewers, so we'll see what they come up with. I'm sure there's a Jonathan Scope out there. Oh, actually, the actual Jonathan Scope is on the waiver wire, too. But, um... <laughs> Another ghost of trade deadlines past. And I will just say that that Jonathan Scope was acquired in the 2018 trade deadline, and that was actually the best one ever in the Stearns uh, era was, was Jonathan Scope's year. He was clearly the, the low bar of that trade deadline, but we also did get you know, Xavier Cedeno and Curtis Granderson and Joaquin Soria and um, Mike Moustakis. So that was, that was, I think, by far, and Gio Gonzalez, that was by far the, the most active trade deadline we've ever had with the Stearns here and, and the best, in my opinion, even with the, he definitely missed on Jonathan Scope. But um, I think he hit on the other guys, at least. Well, I'm, ho- I'm hoping for another really active deadline, hopefully more productive or a, a productive one like 2018. I'll, I'll take that even with one dud in there or something. But yeah, I, I think we need, we need Same to- here. We need to shuffle some cards. Let's just put it that way. Yep, I, I agree, especially given given the state of the rest of the division. I think this year, next year, we, we go for it. Uh, I'm all in. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for today. Uh, thanks for joining us, Brewer, Brewer fans. Um, 
Yeah, um, really, really quick, Craig. Let me just uh, sorry to interrupt. But let me just throw out a plug. Give us a follow on Twitter, Brew Crew View One. Uh, continue to send us your questions, Brew Crew Podcast with an S at gmail.com. Uh, Scotty will get to those when he returns from his uh, vacation or whatever he's doing. And um, yeah, we will we will get to those hopefully on our next episode with uh, Scott. All right. Well, yeah, pretty excited about this this next ten days in Brewer baseball will be will be pretty exciting. Obviously, the huge series coming up against the Reds, and then you've got the trade deadline, and then yeah, it's gonna be awesome. So stay tuned and Sounds get out great. to the ballpark. Um, and yeah, stay classy, Matt Arnold, and go Brewers. It sounds good. Go Brewers. Do, 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 do.